Never mind. On a custom it's... live stream, does it open up? Hold on, we're live. We're yeah, going live. Well, I... My bad. Oh. <laughs> I have to do that again. Yeah, no, it's good. Okay. Third time is the charm. Right? This Third will time. be perfection. We are live. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to Plot Lines. This is the first time I'm going live, and I'm actually going live now. <laughs> it's actually the after third time. The, the third time trying to go live. Now I'm actually live. So welcome. If you like what we're doing here at Plotlines, please like, share, comment, and subscribe. Join our Discord. That link is in the description. And if you want to support the channel, please, uh, if you want to buy a rosary, please buy Bishop Sheen Rosaries. A link to them is in the description. And if you use the code Plotlines10, you get 10% off. So we are here to discuss the Midwest, Catholicism in the Midwest, and sort of generally where we see things going or, you know, what, you know, are we in decline? Are we growing? What's happening? Anyways, I have my fellow Midwesterners with me. Uh, so I, I am from Illinois. I am the closest thing to uh, being near uh, Babylon, I think, of all of us, because Chicago is the Babylon probably of the Midwest. So I have Rob from Avoiding Babylon with, uh, with me. I have Jeremiah Bannister, the paleocrat here. Uh, he is also from The Meaning of Catholic. I have Jake from himself. He is, uh, well, he's like the Madonna of YouTube. He doesn't have a last name. And uh, Angela Erickson from Integrated with Angela Erickson. She is also on uh, Relevant Radio as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I just do a pro-life radio show for a local relevant radio affiliate. And then I'm, you know, I'm a contributor on Morning Air and and I've been on a couple of the other shows. But yeah, I love it. Awesome. Yeah. So we're just going to be chilling and talking about the Midwest. I think, first of all, it would be good to know what the Midwest is. So, uh, Jeremiah, what do you consider the Midwest? What do I consider the Midwest? Yeah, what, what I, well, states? I, yeah, so I went through, I cheated. I, I actually went and I looked up to make sure that I had the right ones because I didn't want to get stuff from wrong states. Illinois, Nebraska, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Missouri, Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Kansas. Wait, did you say Ohio or am I? Unfortunately, yes, I did say Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Michigander, man. I'm a Wolverine. I was, I may have said, oh, like I may have done that. That's just a natural thing. But yeah, Ohio is included in the Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Nebraska. <laughs> Interesting. I never, I wouldn't have thought Nebraska necessarily. As, as someone who went to the University of Nebraska, they don't really consider themselves Midwest. What do they consider themselves? Great Plains. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would have thought. But, um, does anybody else have any gripes with that list or anything? I don't. <laughs> no, I, I used to coordinate a five state area. I, I, I will say this about the especially the upper Midwest. It's probably the most boring part of the country. Um, just hours of driving through cornfields in some areas. So anyway, that's that's my only gripe really with this part of the country. <laughs> yeah, like, where, See, like I where enjoy the, the cornfield. You enjoy the cornfield? <laughs> yeah. I do. I do. There's really? something about driving through, not like I-35 through Iowa, but it's like so if you boring. get off the beaten road and you just well, go drive through Iowa. 
Well, See, like, like, parts of Wisconsin are beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like, so beautiful. But yeah, uh, I can't do Iowa. I don't know. <laughs> you can't do Iowa. <laughs> it's, it's part of my my dad was yeah. from Iowa. Ma's from Minnesota. I lived in Minnesota. And now I'm in Kansas. But um, I don't know. Probably that would be going down to Iowa so frequently. I'm just yeah. so used to it. And it's just maybe nostalgic. Other than what's, that, it has no useful purpose for any. What's what's Kansas part state. of? The whole, <laughs> the whole state. state. That like, drive through 35 is the worst. It's, it's just corn and windmills. Corn yeah, and windmills. That's windmills, it. Windmills, nothing else. It is just, that's all. And there's so soybeans boring. and alfalfa and there's, hay. And there's stuff. lots no, of wheat. <laughs> okay. Yes. So <clears throat> it, what is Kansas, though? What, where is Kansas? What group is Kansas in? Just there's curious. Great. No, like I, okay. they're they're mid, they're uh, it's still Midwest. Midwest. Yeah, it's still Midwest. Oh, okay. They were listed in Jeremiah's uh, listing. Yeah, yeah. I can't. That, that was just Wikipedia, I think, and we all know Wikipedia is a little bit fake news, right? So I mean, <laughs> it can be know, altered. It can except be except for when it can't. Some middle schooler probably did it for a project for school. <laughs> 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 yeah. Wanted to throw off all these adults. Yeah. <laughs> but then the administrators are like, "It has to stay." Good yeah. work, kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for whoever put together that, uh, that Midwestern. Wikipedia yeah, that Wikipedia. <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> all of us here are pra uh, practicing Catholics. So we are all, you know, pushing through in very uh, difficult times, I would say. Just being being Catholic, I think, is genuinely, genuinely a difficult thing at the moment. Would you guys all agree? In some respects, yes. Yeah. Okay. In, in some. Yeah. In some. <laughs> I would agree with that. In some. I mean, yeah. There was a while so, there I considered leaving. I like was looking very seriously at Judaism. Really? Why? Mm -hmm. Curious. Well, because I knew Protestant Protestantism was false. Um, and then it made me think, well, I do believe in a God. I know God exists. Um, so then I have to look at the three monotheistic religions and the only one i could take with any you know really take seriously somewhat would be judaism because then my question became well maybe christ really wasn't the messiah that's the only way i could explain anything else i was like yeah islam is definitely fake so i just felt like through a series of deductions that was like all i was left with so i i just that was the only place i really looked at with any um real scrutiny resolved to stay catholic yeah and i, and I did leave yeah you yeah. you've gone through uh many different phases in fairness it's like one of those things protestant catholic atheist that's really technically all it's only a lot because there are subsections right so yeah, like you've got i was raised pentecostal but then i became a calvinist so i was a calvinist and then there's like schools of thought in that so I was different schools of thought within Calvinism. And I was for, I guess, I guess when I was with my dad, like I grew up, we were Pentecostal, but we we're also kind of into like Hebraic roots and Messianic Judaism. So I wore, I have my uh, passport, I have a yarmulke on. Like I've got like the long hair on the sides, like the dualies. I've got, <laughs> I wasn't wearing any tzitzit, but I had a prayer shawl. So I had all that. I went to Messianic synagogue for about, when I was in college, I went for probably two semesters. Um, and so I was really into that. 
I ha- dude, I owned a shofar straight up, dude. So like, I know at the beginning of my show, I joke about people blasting a shofar. <laughs> Your boy here really was blasting shofars. Um, so I was like the eighth grade kid with a shofar in my briefcase. But um, but no, I, I then left and became a uh, uh, Catholic. But then when while a Catholic, my last year identifying at all with Catholicism, I was a set of a contest. So that's the debate as to are they, are they not? What are they? But I was so... Pentecostal, Calvinist, Catholic, and then subdivided, and then atheist, and then I was, I was an atheist for seven years, though. So, I mean, it wasn't like, I only, I only this past year overcame the amount of time. So, I've been a Catholic for over eight, which has surpassed my time as an atheist. So, I'm quite happy, in fact, about this. Over um, eight with combining the time? Combining them, yeah. Okay. So, like, my, the total of my time as a Catholic has been uh, eight years. So, okay. When did you come back into the church or when did you come back to the faith? Uh, uh, Christmas Eve of 2017. And so I say that because it's people say, well, that's five years. And you're like, it's Christmas Eve of 2017. It's like you only have a handful of days, man. And it's 2018. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I am. Um, yeah. Christmas Eve. And I came into the church. Well, I decided to become a Catholic at a Christmas Eve mass in, I think, 2005, 2006. Um, that's when I decided to, I was at a Christmas Eve, uh, a Christmas vigil. Um, and then I would go, even when I was an atheist, I'd go to Christmas Eve, master divine liturgy secretly, right? I'd go by myself and it's kind of a weird thing. Some of my friends knew and they thought I was a weirdo. Um, cause it is strange. And then, uh, came back, uh, Christmas Eve, 2017. Gotcha. Thank God for you coming back. Yes, man. <laughs> yeah, I was uh understatement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, uh, so it's interesting about the Midwest, I would say, because our people are passive aggressive. What are you uh, talking about? Minnesota <laughs> nice. Which means well, passive aggressive. Yeah, exactly. which means yeah, passive yeah. aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I the, feel like driving in kansas has hardened my heart and instead of being the <laughs> passive aggressive driver that i was in minnesota now pure, i go and i drive up to minnesota i'm like get these morons out of my doggone way yeah I, you're, you're aggressive aggressive not quite okay so we just... have changed <laughs> well okay jake yeah, he, has evolved he, he... He doesn't shake his fist at the drivers anymore and, and like yell terrible words at them. He's like, I hope you have a great day. He's like, really. <laughs> hey, that's but not a joke. Us. I did. I pulled I pulled that for Lent one year. It was just like every time I felt upset while driving, I would pray Hail Mary immediately. And I I prayed a lot of Hail Marys at Lent. Instead I had like an hour and a half commute through the city. You Instead of uh, them, you growled them aggressive. at first. Yeah, <laughs> he became aggressively <laughs> passive. Yeah, <laughs> aggressively <laughs> passive. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, aggressively passive. Um, but Angela, would you say uh, you you're experiencing all the passive aggressiveness in Minnesota? Oh my goodness, I don't even know where to start. Um, I will say this much. I have never totally fit in here because I'm not passive aggressive enough. And so often, and especially in my work, I've been accused of being too direct with people (laughs) because I, I, I just really like things being clear and precise um, because obviously miscommunication is the biggest reason projects 
aren't accomplished. Um, that's one of the biggest problems. So that, that has been, uh, leveled against me more times than I can count. And in fact, one organization that I worked for, my bosses actually asked me to start putting smiley faces in my emails because I was so direct uh, and they actually hilarious. were in the East coast. I was like, seriously, you guys are in Virginia. You guys are ruthless out here. Okay. I think you should be able to handle this little Minnesotan telling you like, <laughs> I just want to know what's going on. <laughs> I'm not even being mean, but, but I guess uh, it was too much, I guess. I, I don't know. I think being direct is too much for being a Midwesterner to some it, degree. It really it, is. Yeah. It, it's like dangerous. And I'm also very direct. So it, it, it's sort of, I don't a, mean to be combative, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm no. not really being combative. I just am. I like to be clear. I don't know. It, I guess that's a problem. <laughs> well, the thing about passive aggressive tends to be, oh, you're nice, but you're not kind. I, well, yeah, not behind your back, especially. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Like charity yeah. is the thing that's actually like ev- with all the appearance of being a good person, it just right. becomes uh, brutal. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, at least when you're in the South and say, oh, bless your heart, you know yeah. what they're say- thinking. You know, yeah. we don't have anything like that in the Midwest, yeah. really, except for maybe, oh, I suppose. <laughs> that, oh, I, I suppose. I think yeah, that's just Minnesota. No. Yeah. No. Or no just, yeah. Just, or yeah. No. Just oh. Yes. Oh. yes. Well, let me just squeeze past you there and put, get yeah. get grab yeah. some ranch. Well, well, but, or the out, almost. Watch out there. Or the almost inaudible. <laughs> what, Jeremiah, what's the Michigan uh, phrases? Michigan phrases. Are there any specific you know, phrases? Michigan well, talk. It's Michigan weird. Well. Talk. Maybe it's kind of well, there there definitely is because you can do a test that predicts where you are mm-hmm. uh, and where you like your yep. family, where they've come from. And it's pretty, pretty close. You know, I think it's more the way we pronounce things. Like, I think a lot of the things we, you know, we say bless your heart, but that's because my family is originally from Tennessee. So, uh-huh. the, so a lot of that kind of stuff kind of finds its way in. But I think it's the way we pronounce things. You know, when I went to school for one, it was only one semester, but I was in Vancouver, Canada, right outside. And we went to go ask for directions at this bar. And they they were like, oh, we we know where you're from. Hold on. And they, there was like four or five of these guys. And they were all guessing. And it was Michigan or Illinois. And I'm like, well, are you serious? But they asked me to say certain words. God, mom. So like, ma, ah, ah, ah that that nasally thing that you don't realize you do and they're like it's mom and i'm like mom mom and i'm like hockey that's real bad hockey i'm going to the hockey game like so that sort of thing really stands out um but as for certain phrases i'm sure there are many um but i've traveled all over so i'm kind of i kind of get it mixed up i'm a hodgepodge of phrases from different places but gotcha it's really the accent though that's, do uh mm-hmm. do the youpers uh talk differently than the yes <laughs> the youpers yeah, you... he just goes yes well, they... <laughs> it's true, it's true, man they do they they sound like the people that when i would go to minnesota minnesota they have that kind of there are a lot of fins Min- right? yes yeah. there are yeah. a lot of fins i graduated yeah. and grew up with a lot of fins 
Um, my husband is a Finn, technically. I mean, he has a he has a lot of that Scandinavian in him. I mean, for goodness sake, his name is Lars. Yeah. Lars, I was going to like, mm-hmm. yeah, Lars Erickson. Yeah, Come on. you just no, don't no. get any more than that. No, but no. but when I was in college, it's so funny you talk about that that um, you know, your accent being so strong because when I was in college, I remember being in a 8 a.m. theology class and reading the gospel of Jesus in the boat, one of them. And what the boat, exactly. So one of my classmates who's from California, he, he caught me after class and he said, I almost couldn't keep it together because, (laughs) because my (laughs) O's are so long. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't even know when I came (laughs) to Kansas, I didn't know I had an accent. Like I came to Kansas for college and people were making fun of me. And I was just like, for what reason? Like you have an accent. I'm like, no, I do not. I don't. And I it just, it took a while to get over that. And I tried to curb it a little bit, but it just, every time I went back home to visit my folks, it come back down and it, it, it's there. Someone's calling us a crypto Canucks. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I would say Illinois, at least regarding suburban Illinoisans, it is the standard or the accent is the standard use for Hollywood, basically. The uh, you know, I mean, they mirror it off because it's sort of easy to, uh, I don't know, it's easy for everyone else to understand. Probably, would you guys say that? You guys, Angela has all the kids everywhere. <laughs> They're just all over the place. I could hear her cooing at you guys, and so I knew she was probably smiling. She thinks you're talking to her. Well, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> You're right there. She's right there. How are we not talking to her? Sure. Say hi, Veronica. Oh, so hi. cute. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yes. Okay. I got one because I'm going through this list. It's it's like, oh, this is the best list of Michigan slang. No, it's not. <laughs> this is lying. <laughs> They're like, oh, chook or choppers. What are you talking about? Well, choppers. Are choppers are gloves. Yeah. No, it's helicopters. I, I don't. Yeah. We're talking about well, deer. Yeah, it's a helicopter too. Okay, yeah, but so okay, there is one on here. Um, for one, choppers are uh, pretty nice on the hands, by the way. Yeah, they are. Just, party, oh. party store. Like we'll say, yeah, I'm going to the party store. Um, what is that? Party city. It's convenience party city. Store. Yeah. Oh, convenience. Yeah, because a convenience store. Like, <laughs> like, so it tells you what we think is awesome and like what's going to really liven the day. We're like, oh yeah, I'm going to the gas station on the corner, like the party store. Yeah. No. So hey, the party store. You're in the middle of Iowa, and I'm telling you what, you see a convenience store or a gas station, it, it, and it that's the only thing you got in town. And yeah. Yeah. You know. Pop. It's that we're going down to the gas station because uh-huh. I want to pop. Yeah. Well, I where I'm from, you'd yeah. say going up to Kirk's. Oh, Whoever Wait, owns, so... the, owns the gas station, oh. that's where you're going. <laughs> yeah. Interesting enough, for me, it's soda. That's because you're wrong, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that's, I, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's the city, Illinois, the Babylon part of uh, the culture there. But, you know, that at least none of us call water fountains bubblers, right? No. Yeah, that's, that's only Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That's, that's weird. They're scuttlebutts. If we had gotten someone from it's, Wisconsin. It's the Navy phrase, dude. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, well, I need to go visit the scuttlebutt real quick. <laughs> Nobody does that. No. Why is that? Where did that come from? 
I don't know the the history of that, believe it or not, but it is a, a <laughs> phrase in the Navy that you have to like learn. And they're like, well, it's kind of like when you say, you know, you're talking around this, your scuttlebutt is also like the the I've heard people use that phrase when talking about gossip. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's like, because you're gossiping like, around, around like water, the water cooler. cooler. Oh, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other one's kitty corner. And I, yeah. I say that kitty kitty corner, K I D Y. I've used yeah. kitty corner as well. Yeah. Kitty corner is the way to go. <laughs> the way. Yeah. I hate it when people say yep. cat corner. Cat corner. I know. That's what Kansas did. I came down here and like my whole wife's side of the family, I was uh, like talking about the neighbor across the street who's kitty corner from. Kitty and corner. they all stopped and looked at me and they were like, what? Did you say like, <laughs> kitty corner, kitty wampus, something like that? You know, they're like, what? you mean catty corner, catty wampus? wampus? I'm like, no. you know, if you're like on a seesaw, it's like kitty wampus. It's not, it's not level. level. Kitty wampus. I've never heard. That's a word wa- of the day today, bro. Like that is <laughs> all of us. Womp- yeah. I didn't know that either. I've never it's, heard. It's womp- in the dictionary. Look it up. I mean, <laughs> say, it, say it again. Look it up on Wikipedia, please. Say it wampus, again. Kitty, womp- Kitty Wampus. Is Wampus not? I thought it was like a fictional, like a, no, it's a, real a fictional name. creature or something. No, this isn't. This That's, isn't like a Star Wars thing. <laughs> it's not organized, poorly done, chaotic. You're thinking yeah. Krampus. Kitty Wampus. Krampus. Thinking- what? <laughs> Krampus. I don't know. Kitty Wampus is yeah. not Krampus. Oh. No, wasn't the wasn't the white monster in Star Wars like a wampa or something like that? Well, there's yeah. a womp rat. Well, like that too. See? We're so really it's just weird out of place things. Kitty Wampus. All right. So really Wampus is derived from Star Wars. I have no idea, man. I No, it's not. That's probably <laughs> not at all true. It's just Yeah. Anyways, the Midwest in the church. Hey. <laughs> so how let's let's stick with the Minnesotans for a, a bit. Um, are yeah, you guys Anthony's op- gonna love that? Are you guys optimistic with the current status of the church in Minnesota? Rob, I'll, I'll defer to you first. Oh so so I'm up in, in far northern Minnesota. Um we just got a new bishop about a year, year and a half ago. The previous bishop had a heart attack at a pretty young age and died. Um, oh, wow. I, I hear he was very good and a lot of people were very My sad. mom went to school with him. They were best. They were bishop very Serba. good friends. Yep. What? So, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so we're all, we're, we're all kind of still getting to know um, our, our current bishop, Bishop Felton. Um, but yeah. Uh, there's there's some good things happening in the diocese up here, um, but there's also you know kind of the general decline that's going on everywhere else too. Um, outside of the the basically one larger city up here, which is Duluth, outside of that city, um, you know the the smaller towns may or may not have a, a parish. Um, you know parishes have closed or have consolidated, and if you go to your average you know, smaller town parish up here, I would say 75% of the, the, the attendance is, you know, 50, 50 years old or older, but, um, but overall there's, there are some good, really good parishes with some good schools. Um, so it, it's hard to say, you know, I think, I think the next 10 years is, is going to decide a lot. 
Gotcha. So, so really not much, like, n- nothing out of the ordinary where you are? No, um, no, nothing really out of the ordinary. I would say it's, you know, a pretty similar story to a lot of places across across the country from what I've heard of anyways. Yeah. Angela, what, what do you have to add? Yeah, well, I'm in the uh, Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, and it's a different animal. Um, we have some really crazy, outrageous parishes like St. Joan of Arc and I believe Minneapolis, but, you know, on that one is they have masks that they wear and like weird stuff. Just, I mean, hosting yoga sessions and all kinds of stuff within the church. But then you have like the FSSP in Minneapolis as well. And a Marionite church right down the block along with the uh, Byzantine church and a Ukrainian church. Like there is a lot of orthodoxy in, in Minneapolis and Archbishop Hebda kind of, even when Traditionis Custodis came out, he kind of took a sit back and wait approach, which I actually really appreciated. I wasn't sure how he would handle it as a, as someone coming from Philadelphia. Um, but he, he actually, from my understanding of people that I've talked to is he kind of padded the numbers when he reported to the Vatican, like how many people were celebrating the TLM so that if some priests wanted to, there was some like room for that basically, because he knows we're, we're a diocese that is in bankruptcy, you know, like <laughs> oh, we've, yeah. we filed yeah. for bankruptcy years ago because of, we had our own sex scandals here. Um, yeah. and even the St. Cloud diocese where I went to school, um, they have their own sex abuse scandals. Even, I think I mentioned it a little bit last night on the live that we did on my channel, but the priest at the, at the Newman center that I was going to is in jail now for a sex scandal. Um, one that was going on while I was in school there. Um, so they have so many problems. They can't afford literally to alienate all of their traditionalists because they're the ones that are having the families and bringing in the Mm -hmm. money. Um, so I do, I have a, I have some respect for Archbishop Hebda. He has not really brought the hammer down really on, on traditionalism, which gives me some hope. Um, but we do have Bishop Barron moving into the Winona area. I forgot about that. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So that's a whole nother thing. And there's a lot of speculation, obviously, as to why he was moved from Los Angeles down to um, a relatively obscure diocese here in Minnesota. And I, I mean, I don't, yeah, it's obscure, but it was also where the SSPX seminary was for many years. That's Mm. true. Yeah. So Minnesota's weird. I feel like Minnesota's a weird state. I would think that it was a punishment. That's my thought process. But wasn't it actually wasn't it actually a raise in a way like he was auxiliary, wasn't he before? Yeah, yeah yes. but going yeah. from L.A. to a, you know, a, like a small diocese in Minnesota just seems to me like a bit of can we get rid of you or send you in a yeah, place that we won't hear from you necessarily as much. There are a few theories that I've heard, and I'm not sure which one I agree with the most yet. One being a punishment for being too traditional, according to Pope Francis. Um, another one being that this would elevate him in terms of his position while giving him enough time to continue his own apostolate with word on fire. Um, whereas he, he just wouldn't have the same flexibility in his own diet and in the Los Angeles diocese. So that's another option. And uh, another one could be to try and 
uh, kind of put them away after some of the scandals that they've had with their own staff. So I'm not sure what exactly is the, is what the crux of the issue is. Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that he will bring, um, he brings a different dynamic to what's going on in Minnesota. That's for sure. Yeah. Also in independence, I think for him might yes. allow us to see a little more about him. Uh, he was the rector at Mundelein. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. had, he's had a lot of influence over the Midwest for a long time. And he had really, he had sort of mostly re- or, uh, or made Mundelein Orthodox again after uh, one, under Cardinal George. And then he was shipped off, which to me also could have been maybe Subich didn't want him around either. Mm. And that's why he was moved to L.A. But I don't know. That's really all speculation. But he is very he is quite important. So it would be interesting to see or it will be interesting to see what he does in his own diocese with his with full sort of for, full control over his diocese. Mm-hmm. And he does tend, I, my understanding is he's often known to celebrate more uh, traditional liturgies. Really? Even, that actually kind of, I don't know why I'm surprised by that, but I'm... Even if it's I'm not the Latin Mass, even if it's not Latin Mass, I've seen many, like pictures of him celebrating Mass ad orientum and at good altars and stuff like that. So I don't know how often that is, but I know it has happened in the past. So he may be in the category of too traditional for Pope Francis. He may be being promoted. I don't know. He might have, he might toe the line. I don't really, it, there's a lot of different options that his story could go in different ways. For sure. And I will say too, even about Archbishop Hebda, I mean, there are some things I haven't loved about uh, some of the decisions that he's made here, but he's also been very supportive of pro-life work. I mean, I, I spoke at a rally the day that the Dobbs decision came down and he, he made an effort to come and and say prayer, uh, during the rally, which I appreciated because I think he had something else going on that day too. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's, he's been very pro-life and outspoken about that, which in a state like Minnesota, where we basically have abortion on demand, we just undid all of the laws on the books right now. It's a free for all. Um, even freestanding abortion clinics can now do abortions up to not through nine months of pregnancy here. And they don't have to be a doctor. It can be any medical professional. They are not licensed and inspected. I mean, it's intense here. We're like kind of the abortion black hole of the Midwest. So I was really grateful that he came out and, and prayed with us. I thought Illinois was the black hole of abortion. No, Minnesota, yeah. actually the, the Planned Parenthood in St. Paul is the, has the largest abortion volume in the country. What's Illinois at? Cause we just, we also recently just made abortion more uh, available. Yeah. I'm not, I guess I'm not sure. I just know that virtually every state around Minnesota has, will have major restrictions if they do, don't already on abortion since the Dobbs decision came down. So we already mm-hmm. had the largest volume of abortions in Minnesota, and that's only going up now um, because these other states are we're, we're basically a destination state for abortion now. Yeah, well, I mean, Minnesota doesn't actually touch Illinois, so I guess that makes right. sense because Illinois is kind of the same thing for its neighbors. 
it is also yeah. a destination. There are a lot of people coming from Missouri into Illinois, you know, and maybe <clears throat> probably Indiana and Wisconsin and stuff like that. But you know that that and the the vote on Kansas stuff this past that was so disappointing. Oh yeah, see, that was I I looked very at briefly hard just watching that. I read briefly like the yes or no, and to me it was real. It was kind of confusing the way they presented it. Yeah. Also, people well, just vote no on things. That's literally well, they, like they vote no, but um. My my wife was a lot more in tune with it, involved with it, because she's in a lot of mothers groups and stuff like that. And it was just constant um, misinformation, propaganda. Like if you if you vote yes for this thing, then atopic pregnancies, all the all the things that all the very rare situations, and I don't. It, it just it was really bad how they it was presented to people, and a lot of people came out of the woodworks on both sides, Republican, Democrat, didn't matter who. And um, yeah, it wasn't pretty. That was that was painful to watch all that go down. Well, and it's frustrating here too, like just because we were watching that here in Minnesota and hoping to look towards something that we could maybe replicate here because the way that the law right. was written there in Kansas was similar to the Texas law that- um, I think it's that- 20 weeks, up to 20 weeks. I can't remember what it was in Kansas, but, but the way it was written was similar to Texas. Um, but yeah, the, the, the thing that's frustrating too, even like here, we just had our annual abortion report released in, in 2021, five babies were born alive and were not given care. Um, when they, they should have been, they were maybe given comfort care or whatever, um, here in Minnesota. And, it's like, so we're opening up the door for abortion on demand without any restriction, no parental consent, no nothing. And, and you're going to have more of these babies born alive. You have more people like just doing the most depraved things and there will be zero oversight whatsoever. It's yeah. yeah. So we were looking to that as kind of a goal to see if that would work there, then maybe you could attempt to replicate it here. And so it was really, really frustrating because those lies about the ectopic pregnancy, it's just so dishonest. Either these people it's totally, are willing, it's very dishonest. either they're, they're really that mm. ignorant or these doctors are playing politics with women's lives, which is absolutely disgusting. This is why I despise democracy on every level, uh, because the people are incredibly ignorant anyways or easily swayed even though they could if you ask them to poll the same question they'd come out completely different like if you ask them what they believe they'll tell you what they believe but then they'll they won't necessarily vote that way even if they said they would vote that way or you know they come back and say you know oh i didn't know what i was doing like this is it's the you know just the wild nature of it but yeah, so that that's what's happening in Minnesota. Also, you have uh, Father Mike Schmitz as well in Minnesota. Yeah, and Jeff Cavins. Yep. Yeah, so, Jeff Cavins actually lives like 25 minutes away from me. Oh, okay. Yeah. You guys should hang out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. It, so is that sort of a, at least a light uh, having Father Mike Schmitz? I know his like, videos or his masses are not the most like beautiful or anything i think he probably was given or his newman center doesn't have a very nice chapel or whatever but he you know his 
the work he does is very powerful and very influential and very orthodox as well. Yeah. And I will add to, even with Jeff Cavins, he started, so I, I think the St. John Vianney seminary, um, that's associated with the university of St. Thomas is excellent. They're actually turning out a lot of pretty orthodox priests right now. And as along with that, Jeff Cavins, he started what's called the catechetical Institute. And so they have programs every year teaching, going through the entire catechism. I went through it and yeah, some people are going to be upset. It's not like the old Baltimore catechism or anything. It is the newer catechism, but I just think it's amazing that you have hundreds of Catholics every semester signed up to learn the catechism of the Catholic church. Um, and, and it was really formative for me too. There's no way I would have ever read through the entire catechism had I not taken that class. So, um, there's definitely a lot of really good stuff going on despite the politics. Will it, is it the, uh, old cat, the catechism before Francis changed it or is it? Yeah. So when I went in, when I went through it, it was, I don't know if it's, if it's the updated version or not. If now. they do the updated one, I cannot imagine, how, uh, the conversation that will come with the changes because they contradict themselves. But uh, I really want to get uh, to Jeremiah about his experience in Michigan. So what is the status of the church in Michigan, in your opinion? I don't think it's much different than uh, what you'd have in other states in the Midwest. I think it's very similar to that. Um, On the one hand, there's a lot of reasons to be bummed on the one hand, right? To see things that you wish were different. And yet at the same time, I kind of look at those things like I'm the optimist guy, right? Like my my eschatology, my view of the end is triumphant. So I don't take a view that's like the Catholic version of left behind that it's like doom and gloom and it's all gonna end real soon. Like I'm not that guy. So um, I'm very much on the march and believing that we are progressively getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that in fact, it's, it's a triumphant and very exciting thing um, with a small time of fallout. So like the, uh, I look at these opportunities like this, and I guess just to phrase it that way, that even the negative things, that it helps us to see the problems. Like you can go on even, even Pew research, right? Going on and saying, well, what are, the, what are the things that are really bad? What are the things that are encouraging? For one, it's encouraging that even in a bad time like this, that it's about 20 to 22% in the Midwest still identify as Catholic. And in most, the mid, most almost all the Midwest, that it's Catholic, that's the largest church. There's other places, Tennessee and other, other states where you would have, or other parts of the country where it would not be the case. But in the Midwest, that's just true. So at least in self-identity, we're still there. Um, and not only that, but I think sometimes we think that it's just older people going to church, 26% are Gen X, 21% are millennial. So just there alone, you're at 47% yep. of, of self-identified Catholic people are Gen X, my my age, or younger. So I think that's a positive thing. I think sometimes we, we forget that. That's almost 70% of them believe in God absolutely or certainly. Now they may be wrong about it and we see why, right? So if you go down in the in the numbers, say at least once a week. It's probably inflated, right? Um, The idea, at least once a week, yeah, I think it's me. So let's even say 35, you're still doing okay, right? I mean, it's bad, but it shows you what you need to work on. Prayer, not even, around half of them claim to do it daily. 
Okay, so that's the rest. Twenty three percent says weekly, seven percent monthly, eleven percent seldom. Prayer fifty one percent and education groups fifty one percent say that they seldom to never pray. Sixty five percent say they seldom to never are involved in any kind of educational group. That I think is the core. They're not frequenting the mass. They're not frequenting. They're not even going. So it's not that the church doesn't do anything. Right. And so like, um, just as Angela said, like, it's kind of surprising actually to see that many people at this catechism thing. And you're like, that's a lot of people for that one, but there's tons of people who go to none. And then a lot of people who do go to churches where they're very active and stuff, they treat it as if the church itself isn't providing that dioceses all around are probably providing it. But the last one, um, is the standards of right and wrong scripture, stuff like that. A pr um, source of morals, religion, 32%. Philosophy is 10. Common sense, 47. So we, and I don't think that they even know what it means by, they're not talking common sense probably in the same way that the apostle of common sense, G.K. Chesterton was describing, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So, but that's what they're saying. So common sense, 47%. They don't, they're not getting it from religion. They're not getting it from philosophy. Standards of right and wrong, only 33% say that there are clear standards. 65 say it's situational. And the last thing I'll mention is scripture, because the afterlife, you know, I mean, 88% believe that's good. Um, hell, only 65%, but you're still bumping close to 70. So yeah, you're still doing good. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got, um, but scripture, uh, seldom to never 54%, and 25 do not even believe it's the word of God. So you say, okay, prayer. People aren't praying. And mm -hmm. the, the saints would say that's kind of the core of all of it. They'd say, if you stop praying, and you, especially mental prayer, if you stop doing that, you're toast. So, because that's the most intimate personal part of it, not just the downloading of the brain stuff. Yeah. But if you, so prayer, obviously, uh, morals, teaching about where do we get morals from, the idea of attending church or frequenting sacraments at all, those things, but the belief is there. And that's why the last thing I'll say about it, I'm actually relieved that in the Midwest, we still, you know, cause I, I go to all different kinds of churches and I see some churches where I'm like, if I, if I was Pope, I wouldn't allow that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that kind of thing. There's plenty of that, but there's not, I'm, I've never in all of my time going to masses and I, and we go to a lot of them just to experience them. Never seen a clown mass, never seen a roller <laughs> skate mass, never seen a bubble mass. Never seen where gay ballet dancers are up on the altar. Those are things that mass media allows us to see because we have access to these things that, I mean, you know, it's, it's a different universe when you can see something from a long ways away. But I, I look at that and I say, of all these different places, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to still see the reluctant attendee. And I know it's weird to say, or the Christer Christian, right? The one that shows up on Christmas and Easter, but never any other time. I'm actually relieved and delighted to see them, not just because I think they should be there, but because it says something about society and about Catholicism right now, that we still have the ability to pressure outside of the walls of the church, to pressure our family that they feel compelled once a year, even against their, their desires to put on that suit and tie and to go to mass and hear Father so-and-so say, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen you in a long time. And they know they're going to experience that. But that pressure is there because if it was gone and we didn't have them, 
that's a bad sign. That shows that we don't even have that anymore. So I look at, I, I actually look at these numbers and I look at this stuff and, and I, I don't get down about it. And I'm, in fact, I find it to be encouraging. It helps us to isolate issues that are better that we can work on harder. And it helps us to appreciate and maybe recognize that it's not all doom and gloom at the churches we're not going to. We just assume that in a weird way. And if we actually look at it and say, well, I've experienced enough of those, that's a weird illogical thing anyway, that based on my limited experience, I therefore project onto everybody. I mean, that's a the phony. So we, I don't do that. Um, but it's, it's encouraging because it allows me to know better what I need to do for myself, for my family, and for those around me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, it does. Catholic guilt also just in general is a very useful, uh, strong. yeah, it's, it's yeah. just very useful. But I, the Midwest makes a lot of sense for Catholic guilt, I think. Just because I think it's something to do with that passive aggressive uh, uh, attitude is um, it's basically you have a passive aggressive attitude with God. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> and I will say I have been to clown masses and I have I have heard of like I have a friend who is from the St. Cloud Archdiocese. And they had a pizza mass where they had nuns and leotards doing liturgical dancing. And right before communion, they brought out dominoes and said they were going to have a real meal together before they had the Eucharist together. Yes. Well, that's that's way worse than the liturgical dancers I've seen. Yes, me too. (laughs) Me too. His story. I remember, I still remember the day he told me in my jaw, I think it stayed on the ground for a solid 30 minutes. I was in pure disbelief. He's at, we're really good friends and he is a very, um, he's very honest person. So I just like, I have no reason to not believe him. And just from some of the things that I've seen, I mean, I told you guys last night on my stream about being encouraged to go to black masses with women as priests, and I could get extra credit for that. And all kinds of stuff, but um, but you're right. That's black not the, masses with women priests, or not black masses, but they're yeah. like underground masses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Black masses are satanic. Yeah, you're right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. They are. Mm-hmm. No, I, like, I didn't mean black masses. That's another level. <laughs> I meant yeah. No, I meant to say underground. Yeah. It's like um, witches they, more <laughs> more than yeah. uh, priests. Witches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, so it's so I mean there is you some seem like of that. a nice There's lady. Definitely... We should go to a black mass together. So there is a culture for that here in certain areas. Wait, um, black masses or uh, both, probably. Both. Both. I would say both. Um, but yeah. I do think that that's just not the norm. And right. there is a desire for that which is wholesome. And I yeah. think there, that's why, I mean, I, we're not the only family from our parish that drives at least, you know, 25 minutes to go to our parish or what have you. Um, and we, yeah, we drive by several other Catholic churches and are they like the worst Catholic churches ever? No, they just aren't the churches that we want to form our children in. Um, and, and yeah, like we have a preference of, of sorts, I guess you could say for whatever reason, but, but I do think it is, a, it's more hopeful here than I think could be in other areas like i just think of certain parts of california or what have you i mean i i look at some of those places and i say well thank god that that's not where i live can i yeah. can i throw out an maybe an unpopular hot take opinion about some please do of course those. all right yeah so um i think that 
Well, I get flack because sometimes I say that a lot of people who call themselves trads are Moderna trads. <laughs> and I think that one of the things, because I go to a Paris that's TLM, right? It's, an, it's a diocesan Paris. So they do the Novus, they do the, the Missal of Paul VI every single day and every Sunday, but they also do the Latin Mass Mondays, Thursdays, Sundays. Okay. That's so, a lot. And they're, yeah. And, the, and they're the, the uh, Paul VI Mass is facing ad orientum. It's all boy wow. altar servers, Gregorian chant. That's it's absolutely, ours. yeah. That's like ours. That, that's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely and amazing. Wonderful. It's awesome. And the school, my kids go to the school there. But see, we drive 15 minutes to get there. Um, our idea of the parish structure and a parish system is with the advent of cars and roads and all of that is toast. So that's, for one, it's not very trad to leave your diocese. Or I mean, to, to leave, sometimes they do that. Your community. Your but community. Yeah. But that, and they, and we complain that we don't know our neighbors, right? Because that's trad to know your neighbors, but your neighbors traditionally would go to the parish. So we don't even do that. But more than that is that when, if we were to take people out and isolate them, send them to one place where that's where they want to go, they choose of themselves. I don't want to go up to the parish up the road. I don't want to raise my kids here. So I go over there. If, as is common, they often will point back to those places and say, they're just nothing but liberals over there. Us and our kids are not there. <laughs> we, we used to be the people that weren't the liberals, but now we're gone. And then we point back at the group we just left and we mock them because they don't have conservatives and traditional people. And there's no, we basically given that area to them in order to have a separate place that is provided by cars. So what I've wondered is like, movements like I know a dude in Grand Rapids who who said I'm going to my parish and I'm going to begin doing this I'm not saying it happens every time this is a praise report this guy did this dealt with it for a long time actively engaged talking to his priest trying to figure out any way he can move and shake and do his thing well now they're doing at Orientum every uh every week they're doing this they're beginning to to change even the stuff on the altar uh, that church was known, the priest recently uh, refused to give communion. Well, he gave communion to the woman and told her afterward, you need to come and speak with me. It's a very popular, powerful woman in our town, a lesbian who's a judge, very powerful judge in our town. And I feel like I heard this story. Yeah, that's right. Up, that's my parish. That's the one I'm saying <laughs> I don't go to because I go to the Latin mass instead of this guy. But that yeah. guy, and I, this is the last thing I'll say about it, this dude, I bring it up because a lot of people supported him in that time. The problem was, is that they had this awesome mass. LifeSite was there, talked about it. I was there as a reporter talking about it. So I get there and the place is packed out supporting him because of the situation, right? After it was done, everybody's like, why aren't you interviewing more people? I said, I only want to interview one person. So I waited until the very end. I talked to a youth director at their church. And I, she's like, you wanted to talk to me? I said, I have one question. She's like, only one? I see a one. Did you know anybody here? No. Oh my. I said, so in other words, these people come, but then they're gone and they're not. I said, I'd love to do a follow-up sometime with you to find out if this is virtue signaling that you're just showing up, but you're not really that guy. He's going to be a priest tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. And he's not, there are many people there who that's their parish, including mm -hmm. me. And yet she doesn't even know me. 
And so I thought about it and said, are we, is there at least a conversation? I'm not saying it's a hardcore opinion or anything. Cause I, I'm not, I'm not changing. <laughs> so I'm, but I'm saying, is it, I wonder if it might be something that would be worth talking about, not here, but in a broader discussion about how to make positive changes within the church in the Midwest, the idea of revisiting the truly traditional structure known as um, the parish system. Yeah, yeah, I have to, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Connor. I just, no, I, go ahead. I, so I live in a town that's named after St. Albert the Great. And then our, our adjacent, adjacent town is St. Michael named after the Archangel. It's a very Catholic <laughs> community. Yeah. I I have two Catholic churches within a mile of my house. And I would love to go and get involved in those communities. It would be so nice. I could literally walk to mass whenever I wanted. But I can't in good conscience right now. And I, before we moved here, I live, I was the, on the parish council. I was Susan from the parish council at my parish, except <laughs> for like the young, young, more leaning traditionalist, uh, Susan, <laughs> if Susan had a granddaughter who was like coming into the church or something <laughs> mm. <laughs> and, and my, and my priest actually asked me to, to be the chair on, on our parish council because he knew uh, where I was at on some things and he was younger as well and was fresh out of the seminary. And so he, he really wanted to bring more traditionalism, but it was a challenge and we didn't make any progress whatsoever. The entire time I, I was there. In fact, I remember one of our, our, um, parish council members talking about, you know, how do we bring more engagement, you know, to Sunday mass? How do we bring more people back? Maybe we need to kind of bring back some of the things we we're doing in the eighties. Like, I don't know. What about like, liturgical, <laughs> what about liturgical dancing? Mm. And I seriously, the look on my face, cause I have no poker face. You guys, <laughs> I, my, yeah. I just looked at him and I think I audibly gasped. And then I said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> And then of course I was, I apologized and I said, I'm not trying to shut down the conversation, but that's not even licit. Like you don't, you can't do that in the mass. And, and that was a sad thing that that happened in the eighties. And, yeah. you know, you know, it was just like, you're trying to bridge together different generations that have such, we've so malformed our understanding of the liturgy and of the, of the mass of our faith, because we relegated the education of our children to the church and parents didn't take that primary role, even within the home, they weren't living the domestica ecclesia. They were expecting the church to do it the same way they expect the, the, the government to teach their children, the same way they expect the medical establishment to treat their children. They took no responsibility because they were promised that all these other institutions would do that for them. And look where we are today. Our kids have never been sicker. Our children have never been more illiterate and our, and, and our children have never known so little about the faith. And so. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm being dead serious that they're like mm. really fat children. Yeah. Yes. yes, yes it's they a are. Disorder. Obesity yeah. is big. It, well, we, we shove them in front of screens because we don't want to yeah. parent them. And, and, and yeah, so I just, I get what you're saying. I just, you know, and then of course the reverse of that. And I think we all feel this way. It's, it's like, you don't, your children, especially if they're young, they're learning by example and through experience. And so you don't want to put them in an environment where they have kids being let out during the gospel so that they can do craft time in the middle of mass for Sunday oh. school, you know, 
because yeah. that's their they, then that then they think mass is craft time they don't mm-hmm. understand that it's heaven and earth meeting and that christ is becoming truly present so you know i don't i didn't want to be the mom that was like sorry guys you're not going to craft time right now <laughs> um, this thing, is more the thing, <laughs> the thing that guy wanted to do from the 80s yeah did they do that no no so you but were so you were successful because you were there I, I don't know that it was no, it, it was my priest. For example, I will say this. No, my priest, I don't know honestly why we had a parish council because it was like we would talk about things, then he just ended up doing what he wanted to do anyway. So yeah. um, for example, uh, except for if um you he got a little a lot of pushback from the the old church ladies that would get their coffee. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he he proposed at one point saying three prayers during the mass at Orientum. And there was so much pushback from these old ladies. He didn't do it. And then, and he even brought up in one of our meetings that there were the young people wanted to bring back the communion rail. And, and I was, of course, I was like totally all for it, but I was the only one on my, in the parish council that was super, uh, you know, excited about the prospect of that. And he said to them when he decided not to pray ad orantum, and when he decided not to bring back the communion rail, he said, I'm not doing these things now because I don't think our parish is ready for it, but I want you to know that this is what's coming because this is what the youth want. And he just left it there. And I, you know, I'm a little bit more choleric than that. And as a matter of justice, I was like, this is not okay, (laughs) you know, but, but it's his parish. And so, you know, and I remember telling him he was also the same priest that was throwing Snickers bars around, uh, during a all saints mass at the school Then you know, it's always like you, you have, you have, um, priests that are well-intentioned, but they're not uniform and they're not, I don't know. It's like, it, it, I mean, it's a, it's a battle of the human will, right? Like we're all striving to live out our convictions and be integrated. This is like the whole essence of my podcast, but <laughs> I know it's so easy to like bring it back to that. And I feel like I do every time I talk about it. Cause this is why I started my podcast is like, there's a huge gap between the intellect and the will. We can know what is true and we can persist in our, in our basis desires, despite knowing what is true. And so you have priests, but, but they feel constrained by the Susans of the parish council that want them to persist in um, and whatever they're doing, whether it's outright like blasphemy in the church, or if it's <laughs> just, you know, slight, slight heterodoxy, you know? Um, yeah. and so I, I think there's a, there's an interesting balance where we're just at such an interesting time, I think in the church, like in, in the country, in the world and in the, in the history of the church, because, you know, and I have to wonder has, have the liturgy wars been this, um, fought out ever before? Or is this like a, a new modern thing because of where we're at right now? Um, I don't know. I, I'd love to hear from you guys. What do you, well, what do you before, before we get to that, I want to piggyback off of what Jeremiah said, uh, uh, sort of about, you know, bringing us back to sort of our parishes. And one of the things I recommend at least, and I do this, and maybe if, Maybe if you're living near a TLM, then you don't have to do this, obviously. But if you're, if you have decent liturgies during the week, especially if you can't make a daily mass to, uh, you know, a TLM daily mass, it is important to show up and go to daily masses and at least support. If you're not going to go Sunday at your parish, which I can understand because I also do the same thing. 
I think you should try and show up to diff- to uh, Nova Zordo masses in the week, and then you can support priests that are trying to do, you know, what Angela's talking about is trying to be more traditionally minded because they want to do this. They know that yeah. the that the youth want more of this, but they need support. Support is the most important thing a priest can have to uh, because they don't want to be canceled. There's so many. Uh, it, it, it's a growing list. There's a lot just in I think the Midwest, isn't it? The Midwest is kind of the prime one of the like, at least where you hear about canceled priests the most. Uh, am I, have you do you guys think the same way? Do you think there's a lot of canceled priests in the Midwest or is that just everywhere? But since we're around here, we hear more about the Midwest. I think there's a decent amount. And I okay. yeah, and I think that I they get canceled so. in part because of the what we're talking about because they know, right? They want that, but then the forces of you know the Susan from Parish Council crowd, uh, those people have a, a wicked bad force, mm-hmm. and they're constantly coming at you, and they know how to play the politics of it. They write the letters to the bishop, and all of that, but mm-hmm. they know how to do it, and they've been there, so they can say. I've been going here for 60 years and we never had those rails and all that. So they'll be able to do that. And it just pulls on the heartstrings of, you know, Bishop, whoever. So can't and handle in, it in those also churches, the money. They've been giving a lot of money for a long time and their wills. They have the church in the will, you know, it's like, yes. Yeah. And there's that component too, but they don't yep. have the same thing from the more traditional people because the more traditional people have left. So they don't have the, even the people that like right. would be able to coordinate to even help. And that's why I said, like, I, I just I wonder if, you know, the priest at the church I'm talking about with it's the way it is. He's done that at multiple churches and every church he went into was not that way. It was the opposite. And it got wicked bad. It was in disarray. And he'd come in and he would slowly do these things, incorporate them. And always do it in a way like even when the motu proprio came out and he was able to do the Latin mass without the bishop. When we went to him and told him, he said, well, uh, I'm going to uh, need you to do a petition. And we're like, you don't have to. And he goes, but you do. He said, I want you because then I know I can go to the bishop and I I don't have to. I could do it on my own. But he, he could also stop me for any other reason. He can come at me for anything. He's like, but if I go and I hand him the diligent work of the people in this church to say, this is what they want. I'm willing to learn it properly. I'm willing to do a a sermon about Vatican II or the Novus Ordo or whatever before we do this to indicate where our parish stands formally on these topics so that there's no question ever. And he's done it. And now we are the fastest growing church in the diocese. And we are, and we've got this amazing school, classical education, kids learning Latin, being able to translate and speak it by the time they graduate, nuns in the church. And (laughs) so like all of that, but it took time and it Mm -hmm. took work from a cooperation from the people, especially homeschool families that that's, that's how the school began. It was homeschool families that basically created this thing as well as the Latin mass at the parish. So Mm -hmm. that's, but yeah, but I think there's a lot of people getting canceled and I, I, think we got to do be smarter about how to handle that than just going on Twitter and bok bok bokking away at it because that's not helping mm-hmm. yeah no true social media doesn't really help anything on a sort of 
uh, on on a level that will help us. It always helps the the wrong people because the people that are scared of social media or scared of being disliked on social media, they're not scared of us. Usually they're scared of the people that disagree with us because, you know, we may not like it, but the people that disagree with us are often more at least, you know, or like have people that will sympathize with them on a much greater scale, even if they don't really care about the situation. And that's really the, uh, we were talking about how, you know, a lot of the people, I, a lot of people identify as Catholic, but they're just not active. And that's kind of the same situation is if you don't, if you're not really active in it, you're going to be more likely to agree with uh, sort of whatever's going on in the, mo- in the modern world than you are with anybody who wants to change anything for sort of to sort of to go back to something different or something that, you know, sc- screams not modern. And really, I've always thought about this with the Midwest is it seems like we um, mobile, like the Catholic Church needs to be just mobilized in the Midwest. If it would mobilize, it would be very successful. And until it mo- mo- um, until that happens, it will continue to decline. And, you know, so supporting priests and uh, sort of making community on a small level, you know, on a local level is definitely the best way uh, to move this forward. And if you can sort of, I bet there's a way that you can probably go to your TLM somewhere, you know, uh, 30 minutes or 40 minutes away, but then still have that community aspect where you reach out to all the people in your area, you know, going to daily masses or rosary groups or something, you know, really trying to reach out as a community member because in most a lot of sunday masses there are a lot of people there that you might forget that they go you know they that they go to that church but at a uh daily mass there's just not enough people and you'll eventually know everybody that goes to a daily mass so and that can influence the priest a lot more i feel like there's a lot more there's a trend of a lot more traditionally uh, celebrated mass Novus Ordos on a daily mass schedule than there are on Sunday. Sunday is where things go back to wacky. Yeah, I love that point. Thanks for bringing that up because I think we we can get into that mindset of kind of like an us versus them, trads versus Novus Ordo. And, you know, I think a lot of us kind of give up on trying on trying to relate to those people who are die hard Novus Ordites, I guess you could say, or like interacting <laughs> with those churches because we're so disheartened by um, just some of the stuff that we're seeing. So I love that. Not that I love necessarily a middle ground, but I love being able or having that mindset of reaching out into those churches and establishing relationships because that's how you really change hearts and minds. So thanks for yeah. that. That was great. Thank you. I- I don't think it's a middle ground. No, I, it's not. But I think I could see people saying it is like you're um, like you're lending credibility, you know, for the people who say like the Novus Ordo is totally illicit and whatever, that you're lending credibility sure. to the Novus Ordo. You know what I'm you're, saying? You're compromising yeah. yourself. Yes, kind of. exactly. Yeah, yes. no, I understand that. But there's a lot of priests out there that don't know how to be priests. And they sort of need 
help to uh, get sort of the standard of what a priest, because seminary, I, it just doesn't seem like seminaries really teach how to be a priest, how to look like a priest, you know, cassock and, you know, just sort of how you carry yourself as a priest. And I feel like the only way that that could be reversed is by befriending a priest. Mm-hmm. If, if people befriend priests, we influence each other. We make each other more like each, you know, more like ourselves, you know, like more like our each other, I guess. <laughs> uh, when we interact with them, I mean, the goal is, you know, to only take the good and to improve where you can in the good areas. So if you can make friends with priests, if you can really support them generally and, you know, donations is an important thing. So if, you know, if you, if that's your only option, like if you don't have a TLM that you can even go to, you have, you should be out there uh, participating in your Novus Ordo parish. Otherwise you're just never going to get what you want. It, yep. It's just, it, that's a danger. If you basically reject the validity of the Novus Ordo it, so far that you will be unwilling to go there, it, it will that that is the potential to kill your soul because you then don't have mass and without mass the faith dies unless it's like literally persecuted like communists killing you killing you can save or can save your soul getting you know getting killed for the faith saves your soul but they're not trying to kill you right now and until then you need to go to mass Kansas is doing good, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Minnesota, Michigan, talk. Kansas is all right. Well, not with the abortion. No, not with the abortion. But you at have least to unpack that, though. You got to unpack that. Yeah. You're like you're like we're doing all right. We're better than Michigan, Minnesota. We're no, we're Angela not better. I don't think I. I don't think it's better. I there's. I think there's growth. There's definitely growth down here compared to where it's been i mean like five ten years ago even um i think everybody's aware of the sspx out at saint mary's you know about two hours west of where we're at here in kansas city but outside of that i think there's only two fssp parishes um one about 20 minutes away from us that's where we go uh and then the parish that we came from uh, when we moved to the TLM, they just started, it was Novus Ordo, and the priest just started doing TLM masses there, and it's been thriving, which has been great. We go we go back every once in a while still and uh, say hi to the priest, because the priest is, he's, he's, um, he's an older guy, but it's just fire and brimstone homilies, and he was a convert from either, I want to say it was Anglicanism. He was in the Navy, convert from Anglicanism, and he was a priest over there. So he was married and has like six kids. And when he became Catholic, they just were like, yeah, that's fine. You can do that too and be a priest. So he, as as a married man going to confession to this guy, (laughs) is, is very interesting. And he used to be my spiritual director as well. So he's just like, there is no BS. You can't get anything past this guy. Um, and always it's the husband's fault, especially in the confessional. 
Um, Rightly so. Yeah. He knows, he knows, <laughs> yeah. he knows it. Which, yeah, he, he knows it. So, you know, it's all good. But, um, yeah, it's like, you know, there's so, you know, on the Kansas side, we got like two FSSP. There's in downtown, there's a ICKSP, um, which is also growing. And there's a lot of, at, at least, you know, and my wife's from here. So she knows some guys who are now priests who are traditional at heart, but the parishes that they're at are Novus Order. And because they're younger guys are dealing with the older priest who has all the power. So they want to do more. They have the desire and the fire to do it, but it's just, you know, well, the, the pastor isn't allowing me to do anything at this point, but those guys sad to say it are slowly dying off. Um, that's a, I mean, that we're going to see a sea change in the church in exactly. the next 20 years. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I, I a hundred percent believe in that. And I think that's at least, at least down here in Kansas, just after what everything you guys have been saying, especially with the, you know, going to the parish and working within the parish, working with what you got and stuff. I'm, I'm happy that we are going to this TLM at this FSSP and I'm happy that the parish we came from, I see that TLM growing and we go back there and it is growing um, and just getting involved in those parishes, getting involved in the faith down here. It's, it's definitely growing. And I've seen that now within the past. I mean, what have we been, we've been doing the TLM now for three years, I think is when we finally red pilled and started doing all that stuff. Um, But that's the, the, are, are coming from Nova Sordo into the TLM as a totally different beast of a well, subject that we can do another time. If, if you want to, it's just, uh, um, it's it, even within the, the short amount of time that we've been doing this trad thing. And I personally, I've told my wife this too, and I've told other people, I don't, I feel weird even identifying as a trad. I don't know. Just because of the, negativity that comes with it the connotation and yeah yeah, yeah. you know and it, it, it may be that maybe something else maybe amtrad maybe i'm not i like the tlm but um i also help my wife out with a bunch of stuff around the house so you know <laughs> I, <laughs> I i i guess uh the cards are moved there um i i don't know and i'm, uh, I'm guessing you're wearing shorts right now aren't you jake they're cargo shorts aren't they <laughs> yeah okay i've worn shorts okay so yeah the 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 cards revoked i've been trying i have i have been trying to wear pants in the summertime down here in kansas but i just can't get i just i it's so doggone hot and i (laughs) that's a personal struggle to get over one day but i have a question yeah basically does it still is it still shorts if basically shorts are pants for me those are jorts <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a slide out question that's yeah. well nothing wrong with jorts in my opinion too yeah. well but like, also they literally cover that they're basically the length proportionally yeah. of pants yeah. i think there there are circumstances me, where it can be because i'm short really short <laughs> i'm like four feet 
I will say are you, there are... Are you, are you about four foot tall? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm 5'7", so I mean, it's taller, but I people are always like... I'm about 5'7". Really... Yeah, we're like the same height. I know. Like, <laughs> that's, and I, it's weird because people are always like, oh, I thought you'd be like taller. And I'm like, I am on a horse. Like, I, you know, <laughs> I, I am on my trusty steed. Well, okay there, Napoleon. It is. <laughs> true, oh, let's yeah. see your nunchuck skills. Yeah. Yeah. Napoleon was Tom Cruise's height. I will yeah. say there Five, are six, two, yeah. as far as the, the Midwest and growing down here too, two really awesome places, uh, Gower, Missouri. There is a traditional uh, Benedictine convent with nuns. Um, yeah, Benedictine College is pretty good. We, we went to BC and that also good. Uh, and I have also heard from people on the inside that they have started doing TLM masses at bc on the campus from people is... on the inside is this like prison <laughs> uh i, I wouldn't yes. put it that way i have connections i know people yes yes <laughs> but um so the the nuns the nuns out in gower we were invited to actually go to one of their masses here oh man uh, it had to be about six months ago maybe in the spring and they got a little side because it's it's a cloister so they got this little side part for visitors and there's like three or four benches for people to sit and the acoustics and these nuns there were like 60 nuns and they were young it wasn't like you know i we there was a convent up in next to benedictine college and it was it was scholastics saint scholastica and i went to visit there because they needed people to help out the old women who are just frail walking around in the walkers and you walk in and it looked like an old folks home because all these nuns, not a single one of them's in habit. You couldn't tell that they were nuns and there was no faith. It was just dead. It was ridiculous. But we go to this place down in Gower and they just built this place and they've been doing it. And it's, it's packed with all of these young nuns who are singing beautifully. It was like hearing the voices of the angels of heaven. It was so amazing. And they're growing and it's expanding and it's just beautiful. And the same thing, I know Oklahoma may, is Oklahoma, did we determine Oklahoma's Midwest? Is it? Yay, no, no maybe Southern. I don't think so. You got Clear Creek Abbey down in Oklahoma yeah. and it's the same thing. I, I went down there um, this past, that was in the spring. It was in the spring because I went down and helped the monks burn a bunch of brush on their land. And so it was just guys out helping these monks out and they let us go to mass and you went to mass down in the crypt and you had like the main mass up front with the majority of brothers and priests but then they had eight side altars and the side altars had one bench so it was only room for you and another person if you made it early enough in time to get that so you basically had your own private mass while all these other masses were going on everything was silent it was just amazing and that one too it's growing it's beautiful it's growing and it's amazing so like Seeing stuff like that is hopeful for me. You know, I got two boys. I got a third boy on the way. And I'm like, what am I going to do as a dad of three boys who doesn't know what he's doing with his life, trying to get to heaven? How am I going to get these guys to be either good, holy Roman Catholic spouses or priests? What does the world need? What does the God need? And I'm failing epically every day. All right, we're getting into other things. What are we talking about? Moving on. 
I, I can't. No, I want to dig good. more oh, into yeah. your wait, parenting wait. failures, oh. please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, hold on. Yeah. I'm going to use I started, this I started ranting. I started going off of it. I just, that's okay. that's where I see it. You know, it, it, the, the church in the Midwest, just on the topic of it all, that's what I'm seeing down here in Kansas. You know, I got these nuns up in Gower, Missouri. Uh, we have these monks down in Clear Creek Abbey, Oklahoma. I can't remember the actual town that they're in, but we're smack dab in the middle of all of this here in Kansas. And that all just gives me hope. Just being able to see that, see those convents, see that monastery growing and see these parishes down here. There's only a couple, you know, two FSSP. Um, and then one Novus Ordo that happens to do a TLM and then a couple of other really good Novus Ordos around us. And th there's a ton of churches down here in Kansas City. But like I said, I can name on one hand just within the state what we have. But even with that, even though it is small, there's there's hope in seeing it grow. I'm excited to see what the future has to hold for it. You guys, what do you guys think about the Byzantine stuff? Like, do you have increased numbers of them? Because we do. We have a Byzantine chapel because it's easy to talk just about the Western liturgy, right? But yeah. we have we have a Ukrainian Catholic church and um, totally awesome. And you're it, it, Jake, what you said reminded me because of Mary Priest and stuff and going to confession with one, you know, and it's, it's mm -hmm. interesting. But that church we have really small. Go ahead. Yeah, we have a, there's an Orthodox, there's a Greek Orthodox St. Dionys, Dionysius, I think, um, which is three blocks away from our home. And I, we I was went, talking, I meant like the Byzantine, like, like Catholic. Not, yeah, like Catholic ones. Gotcha. I yeah. don't know if there's anything down here. There's a, there's a Byzantine Catholic church. I yeah. just pulled up on maps. That'd be one. About a 40 minute drive from us. I don't know much about it, although yeah, I do the, know where this is located. Is a, there's a really nice gun range out in that area. Yeah, maybe man. when I'm out there next, <laughs> I'll be able to check go, it out. go to mass and then have fun. Sunday, uh, Monday. Yeah, yeah. The Byzantines, though, go. in my area, they've been really encouraging because when they first they've been there for a while, it got real small, and so we went. We we just wanted to visit, and so we went to go visit. I wanted to show my kids because my family, I have family members who are Eastern Orthodox, so they're not Catholic. Mm -hmm. I, um, and so it's always been a big deal to me anyway. The East and the West. I'm considering going to Byzantine Seminary, and so like uh, I go in there, and it's super small. And there was the first time we went, they canceled it because the priest who was coming in, he was driving from a ways away, and they were like, we don't even know if we can keep it open. It was in the paper. And so we decided we're going to start going like on, you know, uh, Saturday nights because that's when they had it. So we'd go on Saturday nights as a family and there were four kids, you know, and so there's six of us plopping down in the pew. It was like six people all together in the building before we got this. We doubled the place just being. <laughs> and over time, there would be families that come in and they were really excited to see our kids because they're like, oh, there's some kids here. And so they started coming more and more frequently. And then now they're so big it's standing room only at this point it's packed out if you don't wow. get there, you don't get a seat and they have afterward they have these very festive meals afterward uh with everybody and they they do different celebrations they sing happy birthday after the after everything's done 
they'll sing happy birthday to certain parishioners and stuff. They haven't come up and everything. And so we kind of learned a little bit how to do that with them. So, but it was, it was encouraging because I'm seeing a rise in that. Uh, some of it because of uh, the Karunka virus. <laughs> I don't want to say <laughs> the other word. I, the, the thing That's thing the with the best version. That's the best version I've heard so far. Thank yeah. you. Nice. And so, yeah, I, I'm trying to avoid any flags. So like, yeah, but you know, the, the thing thing in your arm. So like that, because of the restrictions, people were finding that the eparchies were not restricting theirs. And so they would be going to these, they continued to go. And, and so like, and they're sharing a spoon. I mean, you're using a spoon to do that. It's not mm. individual wafer. So there's, I mean, but they believed it. They were strong about it. And so people were finding out, oh my gosh, I can go there. It's an undisputed full communion with the church. Like not even a question. So I can go there and still receive my sacraments and everything else. And they just fell in love with it. And so I'm excited to see the growth of Eastern Catholic churches as well. And I think that factoring them in, that shows a love for tradition as well. And, and yep. a Catholicity that sometimes is missing, I think, in the West. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. No, it, I went uh, sort of at the end of, or sort of the uh, end of the things that kept us away from uh, church. I went to um, to receive or to go to confession at a Ukrainian Catholic church. And it was just really interesting. First of all, the priest, I, I was the first Westerner to tell the priest that we can't we we are not supposed to eat meat on Fridays. Uh, he had not heard that from any any of his uh, any other Western friends. And uh, which is I thought was interesting. But the point was that he he was get, doing confessions and um and distributing communion at this at sort of uh, on demand kind of uh, when things started to open up a little more and that, that was and that was that. Be, that was before uh masses in the in my area started up again so this was sort of something that was uh it was definitely a better situation. Now, I also know that at one point, a mayor banned intinction, basically banned one of their, uh, a, um, an, I think it was a Maronite church from being able to do intinction, mm-hmm. which is absolutely insane to me. I, to me, it's insane that they, uh, they sort of uh, went along with that because you know that would that would not hold up in court. I don't think it would. I mean, it's Illinois, so I guess I don't know what holds up in court in Illinois. And I'll just speak a little bit to Illinois. You know, we have Cardinal Supage uh, reigning supreme in Illinois, and it took a really long time for the dioceses to bring back uh, to to end the dispensation for going to Sunday masses. Like that, that only came back in some places only a couple months ago which is kind of wild but also in the diocese i'm in there's about four places you can go to the latin mass and uh three well two of them are diocesan one of or and then the other two are fssp but one is where the fssp travel to a parish which is so it's basically it's sort of three diocesan with the FSSP and that di- and that diocesan parish is now starting to do more Latin masses by themselves 
like for the um i think it's uh for the what is it when a church is made or set up what's that called when like a individual parish yeah is it consecration dedication 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 yeah it's for the for the anniversary of the dedication of the church they're doing a solemn high mass which is really cool uh which yeah so it there are bright spots in my diocese but then in chicago you know you have the institute i think they're they've been closed i've only seen things on the internet about that and i haven't heard anything you know uh, sort of i haven't seen anything but that doesn't mean it's you know um and then the cans regular of saint john cantius have also been limited on how many on how many times they can celebrate the latin mass and i'm pretty sure also the novus ordos have been basically forced to be less traditional which is which is wild. Also, I think Supage banned a priest from saying the uh, St. Michael prayer at the end of Mass. So that that one was weird. And if you uh, if you cross Supage, you get sent to one of the Dakotas. I'm pretty sure there was one uh, one um, one priest who burned a special flag of a. Uh, I remember yeah. that. Of, I was working for LifeSite when we were covering that story. Yeah, and he was a he had been I believe he had been molested. He had. Uh, yeah. So in, he, you know, by a man. So but that, he, that yeah. flag, do you did you remember the backstory on how that flag even got into the parish? Right. The mm. priest that was there beforehand was found dead in the rectory because yeah. he was attached oh. to a sex machine that he, yeah. with mirrors all over the place. It's just atrocious. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes, anyway, it's very demonic. So you yeah. know, you know Steve Cox, then, don't you? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's a good friend. Okay, sorry for that intrusion. I didn't know you were with LifeSite ever, so you bring this up, and I'm like, dang, girl. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was doing <laughs> fundraising awesome. with their major donors. Yeah, I was kind of behind the scenes at LifeSite. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then in another diocese, the uh, soupage basically took out from under, like, or forced upon them the same rules, based similarly to the canons because the canons had priests in this diocese so they had to follow the uh, chicago rules even though they were in a different diocese so that was uh so and basically so basically stupid just is trying to find every route into all the surrounding dioceses to basically control them to follow whatever he wants and that's really the setup of illinois at the moment you know there's some sort of bishops that are not going along with that as much and then there are bishops that are sort of wanting to be like him they like they they're like little kids wanting uh, i want to be like cardinal supich i want to be like cardinal supich they want to be they want to be in his good graces for some reason yeah and so there's there's definitely more parishes that are becoming more traditional too the uh, regarding novus ordos just with younger priests. So a lot of this stuff is pretty similar. And, you know, the, I mean, it makes sense why we're talking about the Midwest as a group, because we are really seeing a very similar trend. Maybe that's happening in a lot of other places. But, you know, Jeremiah pointed out that the Midwest is, you know, it, there's a lot of Catholics that identify as Catholics in the Midwest. So it is a very important place to see where the general American Catholic sits 
you know, in this uh, sort of discussion. I'm glad you brought Just up. Wish the more would have came out and voted on August second. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you saying, Jeremiah? Yeah, sorry. Well, no, I no, I agree with Jake. Actually, man, maybe I would have won the uh, the election contest that I was in. I did not win. Wait, you were in election contest? Yeah. It well, long story short, I had no interest in running for office, but a lot of people know me around here and they they were like look you're in an area you'd lose um but there's a kind of thing that if you're if you run you get to the general there's things that happen also with the party apparatus that would be beneficial and so they convinced me in the last day i went in put my name in and it was one hour left and i was not contested i was like all right dude this is great i don't really <laughs> have to do much and then the next day they're like dude somebody was the worst procrastinator than you <laughs> and like they're like on on real Kaiser time. So I had a guy. Now I met him, and we don't see eye to eye on everything. But the truth is, it was obvious that he wanted to. He was going to spend money. He wanted to get signs. He wanted to do. There's a lot of things, and he did it. And I I told my I told my wife. I said I'd feel badly if I actually won. I ought also feel badly if I spent any money. Uh, I had no interest in doing this. And I'm like, but. I also would feel badly if I walked out with like 10% of the vote. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm better than that. Dude, I, I got 45% of the vote. And the only the only campaigning I ever did was one hour before the polls closed. I posted something on, on Facebook telling people, hey, you know, obviously I hope you vote for me, but either way it's a win-win because I think this is a good guy. And that's all I, that's the only, and I, I, I filled out a questionnaire from the, um, women's league of voters or something league of women voters sounds dangerous believe (laughs) believe me every red flag was like up right away (laughs) i know and and the the local newspaper called to tell me they're like we sent this to you and you did not reply and i'm like i'm like okay so i get on there and it was awesome it was what is your background that leads you to believe you're qualified number two what's your strong suit what do you think are your strengths number three what are your weaknesses what do you, what would you believe would be weak, a weak spot for you? And I thought that's actually awesome. And I would love to talk about that. In fact, what even admitting those things that would be difficult. Um, and so, yeah, it would have been awesome, man. Cause I only lost by like a hundred something votes or whatever. I'm like, dude, yeah. You should have made two Facebook posts. And two, Facebook, <laughs> two Facebook posts would have won. But, but coming, out, coming out with, with 45% of the vote, on it was county commissioner, so forty five percent of the vote, you know, not not doing anything, and I was out of town. We actually got back to Grand Rapids <laughs> to vote at seven fifty eight. It closes at eight. Wow. We were running into into the building. We're like racing because we were in St. Louis for vacation. We're <laughs> running, and we get in there, and he's like, "You made it with two minutes to spare," and I'm thinking. I'm glad because I'm on the ballot. <laughs> like, if, I'm, if I'm not showing up. So I was Kaiser timing that, you know, but, but back to what you're saying. So like you, you brought up something that is, I think really important. And that is that, um, like take the bubble mass. Did you guys see that where they were doing the big bubble thing and all yeah. that? Yeah. Yep. Did you notice the crowd, the, the people there? They're all old. They're all very old. old. Yes. Yeah. And I said that, you 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 want to respect your elders, right? And I think we kind of dog it too hard sometimes to think, and there's a tension in America, especially with that. However, 
it is, we're not born blind in this case. We can see um, what we're seeing and we're not going, Mino, see this. We all know these are very old people. And this kind of thing, you can just tell. It's like a, it's like there's a generation of people. And it was, it was during the, the heyday of like Hulkamania and, you know, this idea of like everything new and the idea of seeker sensitivity. And seeker sensitivity was this Protestant notion from a very popular Willow Creek, Willow Creek, actually, isn't that near Chicago? Anyway, it used to be the biggest church. Probably. In yeah, I think it is. It used to be the biggest until like Saddleback and stuff like that. So, but their idea was we need to make it as acceptable to the outsiders so that when they come in, that's why you got the coffee shops and the music or the movie theater seating and all that. And the music that's up there with the state, with the lights and all that. That's why you have contemporavent, right? Like the parody contemporavent. That's why you've got that. So <laughs> Robert knows. So I, I, I looked it up because of you. Yeah. Contemporavent. Yeah. yeah. So like, that's what that's about. Well, that affected even Catholics. They thought, well, this is going to get the youngsters in. And the fact <laughs> is, they were just wrong. And, and it didn't get the youngsters in. And they watched as they tried and tried, I think even sometimes in good faith, like I don't think that when they do that, the bubble, the bubble mass, for example, that guy actually goes on the streets, by the way, and, and preaches to people like on the streets. He'll go out there and do street evangelization. The dude who does that. I think he's a genuine guy, but he's just oblivious. And he thinks that this is legit. I don't think he's like, I'm going to desecrate the mass by making <laughs> bubbles. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't take that position. Yeah. But I think he sincerely believes that. And he's just, that's the world he grew up in and the world he understands. But that's been challenged because we've seen it. People have walked away and they're excited now about finding roots because they don't have any. Even in mm. society, they're, they're taught to hate themselves and their history yeah. and their people and their language and their traditions. And so they're rootless. And yet, so where do they find it? Well, they find it in church. Now they're, they're, they're trying to connect themselves to the democracy of the dead that gives them a purpose and says, I'm not just here in the moment doing my thing for the, for the temporary moment in this nihilistic hellscape. But instead, I'm part of something that goes a long way back that gives meaning and purpose in my life and direction for not only me, but for my children and children's children. And people are finding that in more traditional expressions of the mass. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's encouraging. And, you know, I hope I don't want to be a cynic and say, well, one day they'll all die. But we also know that we all one day will die. Yep. And memento mori. Memento mori. So mm -hmm. I, I'm glad you brought that up. That's I'm sorry I said so long. Oh my gosh. Come on. That's great. <laughs> That's thank you for uh Veritus Catholic Christmas. He's got great stuff. Veritus. It's yeah. I was gonna say you got it. You gotta tell us where you got that. Yeah, yeah. His Etsy shop right there. I yep. actually have that sticker on our van too, along yep. with all of the That's great. Sacred Heart of Jesus, Immaculate Heart of Mary. That's amazing. Heart I'm wearing one of his shirts right now. Ah, uh, bro. I was wearing mine last night. Yeah. It makes well, you know. Shout, also, shout out. It makes me just think of Tridentine Brewing. So, yeah. shout out to Trevor. Oh yeah, bro. Yeah. Yeah. We've all all got our. Yeah. Our, uh, mine's signs. mine's in a box, still packed yeah. up for moving, but. <laughs> Rob's got to put that up. Um, Rob, you guys moved. Uh, yeah, just twenty <laughs> minutes from Ely to Babbitt. Bro, why don't you tell me these <laughs> things? I thought we were close. Would you, would you have come to, come up and help? 
Because if not, there's uh, no point. Yeah, if you would have offered, I would love to make that 11-hour trip up to Ely. <laughs> I'm, surprised my brother, my, I'm surprised my brother didn't tell you and complain to you about how bad it was. Uh, now your bro, your bro and I talk in infrequently nowadays. Yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, I think we're uh, coming near the end. I think we should wrap things up. Uh, <laughs> any a, any final uh, <laughs> anything anybody wants to add about uh, the Midwestern Church? I I guess I would just say I mean, it it's stuff like this that gives that gives me hope. You know, the fact that I, I don't, you know I know Twitter is what it is. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've met all of you guys, apart from Jake, who I grew up next to. I'm, I've met all of you guys on there. I've met a ton of people on there. And for all the bad it has, there, there's there's a lot of good. And and that's such a small section of, of what is you know really going on with people generally our age in the church. And I don't know, it just it gives me a lot of hope, uh, especially as as we're our age group is able to have more influence in the church so and i want to even just kind of piggybacking off of that you know as uh i don't know how to put this maybe like an outsider position because you know connor you got plot lines jeremiah you got paleocrat and meaning catholic all this stuff angela you got integrated rob you got that thing with Anthony that I don't know what you guys do. That is but like, <laughs> that uh, stupid it's, acronym. It's, it's, something, it's or something or other. Yeah. yeah. But like for me, I'm like, I'm just a guy. I'm just a dude. You're Jake here. from Jake. Yeah, I'm J- I'm Jake yeah. from Jake, and You're I'm just Jake like from State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten that my whole life since that first commercial. <laughs> but like for me too, I'm like it's just. It's one, I can't thank you guys enough for giving me just an opportunity to just be present and talk and share stuff, but still that, that hope that we all need, that hope that's integrated with our faith and who we are as Catholics, seeing you guys out there and evangelizing, talking, doing what you can with what you've been given gives me hope, you know? I'm not I'm not one to go off and start my own podcast thing. People have asked me to do something or like <laughs> be one of those guys the my wife says you got a good voice. Maybe you could do like an audiobook or something. Have you just thought of that? Just yeah. don't do your stupid uh voices. Please oh, do those. Please do that. Please do, them. No, please please do, do them. not listen to Robert. I, I've been hearing them not since he was like five it. years old. If if I ever publish a novel, maybe maybe you'll have to publish uh, a novel. You'll have to um do, do the please read us an part. excerpt. <laughs> I have I, I have a newspaper here too because uh you know I'm an old guy and I I actually do I get a we, newspaper we and I like some, reading uh, the funnies and I like doing my crossword and I like doing my Sudoku and if a kid doggone comes in here and takes my paper away, then scribbles all over the part that I just want to see. It, it, then you'll it just, just rubs me the wrong it. way. I do. I do just have to deal with it. I just have to wait another week. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, ultimately, thank you for the opportunity, guys. And um, I appreciate being able to just, even in these small ways, be a part of something like this. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you, Jake. And for uh, people won't know, but you're a big part of why this happened uh, or why this was able to happen. Uh, Angela, anything? 
I mean, no, I, I just, yeah, <laughs> I have no. nothing else to add, but thanks for letting me join you tonight. I really appreciate it. It's been fun. No problem. Jeremiah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that it's been exciting to see what we all kind of know about the youthfulness of tradition that there's in our day and age, there's a youthful expression of it that young people are connecting with it. And, you know, I don't know everybody's age here, but I can say that it's nice to see that it's kind of a mid range demo here. Right. Mm -hmm. And that we're kind of in between situated nicely. In fact, between a lot of boomers and a lot of the young earlier millennials, like the zoomer groups and to say, I'm a zoomer. You're a zoomer. Well, you're leading the charge, man. So look at this. <laughs> so you're, so it's, look, it's a good mix then. Yeah. Right? I, I'm the old guy in the group. That's okay. But like, the thing is, is to me, that's encouraging. And I say, because that means there's longevity. It, it's not just, um, it's not just that we're here for the long haul, right? We're not coming in like a, a, a deathbed conversion to more traditional understandings of the faith and expressions of the liturgy. We're coming earlier on and it's defining who we are in our lives, our vocations and everything else. And I, I look also, and I'll, I'll just say this, it's not just this, it's, it's that we are of the age where people have families, right? Yeah. And when you embrace this, you have lots of kids. There's a tendency in traditionalism to make some babies. And so I think tonight was a great example because Angela's baby is definitely the star, in my opinion. <laughs> With that definitely. hairdo, it was awesome to There's see. There's one in the background, the... too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. That... He passed out. He's passed gone. Out. It's yeah. so cute. But he was, he was just rocking there, right? He was just rocking that. He just chilled out like, I'm on stream with my mom. And like, <laughs> but it was it was awesome just to that moment thinking, here are some guys, people, different, different perspectives, different places, put, putting ourselves out there, trying to live the faith and advance the ideas of this to really think through critical things and evaluate where we are. And right there is a mother and she's holding a baby and she's just kind of doing this, this beautiful baby. And I thought, what a, what an awesome image, the whole snapshot of that. I'm like, that's hopeful to me. That's, and it's, it's something that goes on beyond our lifespan. And it's something well, that's tr transgenerational. It's our legacy. Yeah. Yes. I and mean, too, like, Two of Little you guys Christmas are tree. expecting, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We just found out last week, and so congrats, man. That's so awesome. Yeah, congrats. thank you. Yes, thank we're, you. We're due in October. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Congratulations with that, buddy. Oh. Yeah, and so it, it took me a little bit by not entirely by surprise, you know what I'm saying? But like at the same time, <laughs> it was one of those I wasn't anticipating. That. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, right. the part, right? So like I asked my wife because my wife was being all like sneaky. She went and she was all being sneaky. She went to like Walgreens and she bought a, a test and she didn't tell me. So she went in and took it and then she came back in and she just like sat there and had this grin on her face, like all cheesy. And I'm looking, I'm like, what's so funny? And she's like, mm, like this. And I'm like, did I do something? That's what I said. That's what she said. She's like, uh, yeah, you did. I'm like, oh, what's this? And she's like, bum, bum, bum. It, what? It, you're like, what? You're positive for COVID? No, oh, yeah. yeah I, I'm apparently a super spreader. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, but yeah. And they say it spreads most in the home like this. And so that's a good thing. 
Um, we're, we're definitely loving the Lord, loving family and loving these vocations and connecting with other people who are doing the same thing. And it's reason to be hopeful because we are surrounded by more than enough reasons to be down and out every single day and to be cynical, but to see groups like this and to, to know that Connor, what you're doing, what everyone else here is doing. And, and I'll say one more thing about Angela, that, that ladies are getting involved in this. I know that there are there are segments of the Catholic population within traddom that is very obnoxious about this, <laughs> and yeah. they and they they call them e girls and everything accuse guys who follow their stuff of being simp's. I think it's obnoxious and I think it's uncatholic. God, one of the first things, it is not good that man is alone, and the idea that it's good that in this drive to make change that it's men who are just alone. I say, whap, whap, whap. I say, you don't understand what we need. So I'm grateful that there are people like Angela putting herself out there in this way to, to talk about that disconnect of the mind and the will and how we can get back and bringing that perspective. And so hopeful. So thank you. Yeah. Well, just listening to you, Jeremiah, makes me really hopeful. So thank you for that. And really, it's an honor to have all of you guys on the episode tonight and for the first live stream ever uh, on yeah. uh, on plot lines and to get the kinks uh, you know, uh, out of the way. Um, so it's really a, a pleasure to have all of you. And you guys are absolutely welcome back anytime you, you want to come on. Um, I'm going to plug some things last moment. I mean, there aren't a ton of people watching right now, but... Uh, you know, it will be up later. It will be up after record after um, live and stuff like that. So people will be um, able to see it. So uh, we brought up uh, Clear Creek Abbey. I've interviewed Dr. Jared Stout, who is a um, was a oblate of Clear Creek Abbey. And uh, we, I interviewed him about beer and I've interviewed him about catechesis. And he has some, a lot of great stuff to talk about. Uh, I even pushed him into talking about the liturgy, which I don't think he wanted to talk about necessarily. Um, but he was a good, uh, good sport about it. I also recently interviewed uh, Bishop Strickland, and that was a really, uh, really interesting uh, experience. And he's a really Im impressive bishop and uh, just a great voice to have on, you know, you know, the small sort of Texas bishop speaking out um, on such a wide, you know, such a wide, into a wide world. And then I also, and so this is actually the third, um, the, this is the third episode. Yeah. Third episode in a series I'm doing on sort of regional looking at, looking at the regions of the Catholic church. And I started with England with Gavin Ashenden. And then I went on, Oh no, this is the fourth actually. Yeah. Uh, and then I sort of U.S. generally with Bishop Strickland. And then um, I also did um, Ireland with Robert Nugent from DeCrevy, Determined to be Catholic. Uh, his channel is really, really good, really interesting. And now Midwest and I'll hopefully get to all, you know, as many regions as I can manage to get guests to discuss because as a Midwesterner myself, I ha I can only you know speak for the Midwestern Midwestern side. So thank you all for helping me to do this and to uh, to learn more and to continue to grow 
in my in my faith journey and i i hope you guys all had a great time in the chat and you know just being on um discussing these types of things anything anything else last chance oh thanks for having me man no problem thanks for having us connor yes thank you <laughs> absolute pleasure anyways thank you for all for listening and have a great night bye Okay.